Jason Crowley, spelled C-R-O-L-E-Y, <laughs> for those that might need to put it in press. He's not on Tinder, but he drives a Tinder for Polk County Fire. Tonight, he's my guest on Beyond the Curve, Goes Off Road and Off Track. We just did an episode last night with my normal co-host, MJ Adonis, but I wanted to bring Jason on because, one, he he's kind of the – he pays attention to all the off-road stuff, and he knows some of the insights. He, he's got some really cool insights. We talked a lot off-camera this weekend at the mud bog that was a hair scramble <laughs> about pro motocross guys transitioning back in the day to off-road. He, we're going to talk about some of the new goggle technology that he tried in very tough situations and just get his opinions on racing. So, Jason, how the hell are you? Tired. <laughs> Jason is a firefighter for Polk County Fire, so he's um, – we won't get political, but they may be a little understaffed right now. So, not only does he work his 24 on, 48 off, most of the time he works 48 on and maybe 24 off. Yeah. So. Yeah, so just got off a double as soon as I got off this morning, went to the house and tore the bike apart and started washing and cleaning, which was fun because <laughs> it sat for yeah, two yeah. days. Yeah. So it was baked on cow poop and whatever else is out there. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, there's there was something on that property we ran, th- ran through because the pipe head and wheels had some type of oxidation and staining on them really the entire pipe was faded out aluminum looking like the chrome yeah. finish was gone uh, there was some pitting on the cylinder and some pitting on the wheels so apparently we ran through something something or something that was flowing yep so i that took a while to sit there and scrub and clean and get the finish to come back and uh, i've already seen other reports of riders bearings Brakes, everything yeah. kind of being replaced. Yeah. And- Chain of sprockets were shot. Um, I do need brakes. Other than that, nothing's broke. Didn't lose any coolant, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't overheat it. And we did a compression test, and we're still at 210 PSI, so didn't suck any uh, water or sand in through the air filter. So MJ and I didn't really touch on the race because you participated in it, and I wanted to talk to you about Saturday was fine. It was a normal. Yeah, Saturday was perfect. Normal, normal day. Yeah. People had a blast. The 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 bikes had a blast. The quads had a blast. Then Sunday, it started raining Saturday night, and it never stopped. Correct. And we all were able to get in Saturday night, Sunday morning. It yep. was fine. It was looking a little swampy. The the ten a.m. race somehow was able to get three laps. I don't know how they got three laps, but the one o'clock race, the showcase race. Tell us what what was it like out there? So, for anybody that doesn't know or doesn't comprehend, so that race was supposed to happen what about a month ago ish. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the parking area flooded, but the track was good. So they postponed the race till now. Everything dried out, other than the normal little damp spots out yeah. there. So because it's so close to the lake and everything and on the canals the water table is already high so with the water table already being high everything's percolated down everything's good then it starts drizzling and continues for hours and it's just soaking in soaking in soaking in and then what about 11 11 30 is when the bottom fell out of it yeah and then that's when everything just kind of went to crap so basically 
up until 11, the glass is filling up with water, everything's good, and then at 11, the glass is full, and the faucet doesn't turn off, and it keeps running, and the water has nowhere to go, so it just sits there. Um, so the starting grid was not underwater yet, but once we took off and went about 10 feet, it was standing water, and everything was standing water from that point on. Uh, the field sections were, you know, their normal selves when they get wet. Like, it's not really a big deal. You yeah. just slide around and just keep it kind of pinned and you're good. I figured when we got in the woods, because it's so sandy down there, the woods would be perfect. And, you know, we go on about our day and everybody pick up the pace. Yeah, because it's known for its white, beigeous sand. It's, yeah. It's a true sand yeah. track. So we got in there and initially, because we went under the, the tunnel and went in that way and... It was okay, and then as soon as we actually got in the woods, what used to be sand was just mush. There was no consistency to it. There was no nothing. Like, you, you hit it, and it just just pushed out of the way. Like, it, there was nothing. Um, pretty much immediately once we got in the woods, there was riders down. Like, it, guys were kind of falling everywhere, getting stuck everywhere. We're not even, you know a quarter of a mile into the woods and people were getting stuck. Like yeah. it was, it was very instant, like game on. Um, it just kind of went downhill from there. It just, the rain didn't stop. The further in we went, the deeper the ruts got, the more the water was flowing through the trails. Uh, you couldn't tell what was a mud puddle, what was a rut. What was a four foot deep rut? What was a two inch deep rut? Like it was, yeah. it was very, you, you couldn't tell what was what. So you come around the corner and as soon as you come around, you're, you're in it. If you're smart enough to realize I shouldn't be there, you stopped and moved your stuff and then continued on. Um, or you saw somebody else buried up to their seat and okay, I don't go there. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of that from the, stuff i heard from people talking yeah after it, the race yeah um i only had two in front of me that were buried up to their seats everybody else was managed to keep moving um now farther back behind us i i'm sure there yeah. were several uh, it just continued to get worse i got stuck once and then hung up a few times where i had a physically pick my bike up and move it and which i mean wasn't a big deal it just eats up a bunch of time and energy and it's kind of discouraging you know considering i i enjoy riding in the mud i normally do well and i get into this and it's like this is absolutely horrible yeah. i've never in 31 years i will say that's probably the worst mud race i've ever ridden we've never i've never been involved in a mud race where they cut the race because the track just was done yeah. it, it just fell apart and then when we finally got out of the woods it it from leaving the woods to once you went over the tunnel pretty much all that was underwater like it was just it just was it was one of those things that was completely out of anybody's control yeah the track I, the track gave up the water table was full yeah the water had nowhere else to go and it stood there and it filled up the only if you want to look at it in a positive light, because the water was moving, there was a lot of spots that were sandy. The water was washing in some of the ruts 
as it was moving through. So where if there wasn't any water moving, it would have kept digging down. It did dig down, but the water was washing it in at the same time. Yeah. So it did in certain spots help, but we're, we're, part, yeah, we're talking yeah. like, yeah, it helped this much. It was a 13 mile lap. So, yeah. Um, well, they shut it down for numerous reasons. One track safety, track conditions, rider safety. They weren't going to be able to get people in and out the ambulance in and out if they had to. Correct. Um, I don't know about flying helicopters at that point. I, you know, we're not sure, but there was multiple reasons. Plus you have hundreds of racers that have to try to exit. Yeah. Which then led to the race to get out before we all got stuck. Well, I don't think anybody realized that until after we got out of there. And I think that's kind of when it went to shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got out. I changed clothes because. Did you watch me get out? I, I watched you leave, but I was naked at that time, changing clothes in my Jeep. So you so I, you left. When I left, I went up the grass, yeah, and then I cut across and just nice and easy, and I stayed in the green. Well, when you got to the next road, yeah, and looked, so like when you come through the gate, you could go straight, and then turn and then come in, yeah. or you could do like you did. So when you're going out, when we got to that, we're getting to that point. I was like, well, what does going left look like? And I looked, and it was already like it was, that. Yeah, swampy. And I looked in front, and I'm like, it's a little better, but it ain't great. And there was already a couple people kind of hung up, and I just punched it to the floor and told her, I said, hold on. And everybody's just watching, and we're just trucking right through it. I never let off until we got through the actual gate, and then we cruised up the road, but it was starting to wash out in a couple spots. From the time that you left until the time I got changed, and and I actually didn't have to change. I, I had my 20-year-old Moose Ranger yeah. jacket on, but... The water rolled off the jacket, down the pants, mm -hmm. into the boots. <laughs> so I was actually dry minus that. So I was like, I'm not driving home like this. So I, but the floorboard of my Jeep was covered in water from the boots yeah. having water in them. So I, I was literally changing clothes, sitting, standing in my seat. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw you had already gone and I'm like, all right. And I just put it in full. I didn't even mess around. My Jeep will float through pretty much anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I'm not even going to mess around. I put it in four wheel drive and I'm like, I'm going across. Well, then I got, and there had been so much traffic cleared out that I'm like, I don't actually know where I am because there was so much open space. Yeah, yeah. And I did the same as you. I looked to the left and I'm like, that doesn't look good. And there was this little black uh, Colorado towing a little camper. Yeah. And he was starting to go back and forth. And I was like straight lining. And I'm like, okay, if he catches, we're going to collide. <laughs> but he was rocking back and forth. And I'm like, I, I kind of got to keep yeah, going. Yeah. And I got right to the entrance, and there was a Class A attached to the, the tractor, which we're going to touch on Palm Beach Tractor Trails because they, they were very, very diligent. That either had gotten stuck and or they were unhooking to get mm. out. So I went around, like right past the gate, went yeah, around yeah. it and got on back. Up, and the road had already started. It had started rutting up. Yeah. and. I think that's one of the major issues they had is that road deteriorated so badly that the class A's were getting hung up on the, they couldn't, they couldn't continue to pull them yeah, out. I mean, they were getting hung up on the road, but they were also getting hung, like Roland was parked somewhere in there when he was, he left. It was after the one o'clock race okay. after we, after they cut it, he was trying to leave. So he, he made it as far as where about sign-up was, but yeah. everybody had stopped there to get their trophies and clogged the area up. So then he's 
stuck. Dead in the water. He was moving. He was good up until that point, and yeah. then he had a break momentum, and then he was done. So they, I mean, motorhomes aren't designed to go through. Like they don't have tires to go through. No, that. It's, no. It, it was. No, it, it was it was a, it was a lost cause, and I've seen people say like, um, I was thinking about Class A, and now I'm not because I saw what happened this weekend. Dude, those are. I don't care what series you race. I've been to GNCCs in a three-quarter ton diesel pickup truck with a 20-foot trailer, four-wheel drive with appropriate tires and had to be towed yeah. out of the race. Yeah. I've been in a F-150 at a race in North Carolina. I had to get towed out by a King Quad because we were just sitting on top. Yeah, just spinning. Just spinning. But the Quad was able to get enough momentum to yeah. – we helped it along and we got it. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's just going to happen. I've been to road races where campers have to be towed out of the infield because the infield's grass. Yeah. So if you want a class A because you want to have time with your family and stuff, it's get one, yeah. but just know there may be more. Well, if you're going to an event, well, if you go to the event, you have to be towed in, you're going to be towed out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen down here because we're not towing. If we have to tow them in, we don't have the event. But if you go to a GNCC or they'll some, tow of you other, in. some of these other series, they'll tow you in, they'll tow you out. Yep. Um, but down here, like – if you're going to an event that is a little wet, maybe think about where you're parking. Yeah. Don't go so far in or, you know, like that front section where before going through the main gate, initially we parked out there. And then when I signed up, I rode around and saw all, everything was open. And then we moved in there. If we just stayed out there, we would have been yeah, you fine. Been. No big deal. But every parking area, we helped the. We helped a guy in a van. Nice van. Nice uh, short wheelbase transit. He needs four-wheel drive, though. <laughs> well, we learned that having traction controls not a good thing. Because no. every time he would get forward momentum, it would break traction, and the darn thing would just shut down on yeah. him. So, but we got him onto what we thought was a high spot, and all of a sudden, the van just yep. sat down in it. And what was the nicest? I don't know who he was. Dude, I hope you got out. But we got him going, and he rolled down the window, and I'm like, don't stop. You're welcome. Don't stop. Just keep going. <laughs> keep going. But uh, no, nah, it was it was a rough day. But I want to say, I think they got the last people out Monday morning sometime. Yeah, it was some mid morning lunchtime. I think's when the last ones were yeah. finally towed out of there. And dude, those guys have a lot. That property has been a part of FTR for a long time. It's going to heal. They're going to go in and rehab it. They're going to. It's going to be weeks though before yeah. they. I would think weeks before they actually go in there and start doing anything, let it dry out some. And but they they did a great job. Not there's nothing they could do. No, people were complaining. I can't believe it. They, there was a tractor there. They did. There's multiple. But there's only so much you can do yeah. when the conditions don't warrant you. I'm telling you right now, if I had some of those class A's and there was potential, you could pull me out. But I was seeing that I was going to scrape. We're going to just stay. Yeah. We're just going to stay. And that's what a lot did. The ones that were kind of situated and were fine, they just, all right, well, we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow because yeah. we either stay up all night and wait and probably don't get towed out or we just do like normal and continue to camp for another day and we'll try Monday morning and see where we're at. Yeah. That's what they did. So that was the FTR race Saturday through early Sunday morning. The race was okay. Sunday afternoon, it became – I, I joked around is the Blackwater 100. Yeah, is what it was. It I mean, there was they could not sweep the track on bikes. They had to, yes, you had to use a four wheel. It's the first race I've ever seen where quads went out to go sweep yeah. the track. There, there was no. 
you could, I mean, you could do it on a bike, but it would take you a while. So if it's taking a double A rider 40 minutes to do a lap, yeah. it's going to take you well over an hour to sweep it yeah. on a bike. So it's, it was, it was bad. Like I said, I've never, I've run a lot of mud races. I normally enjoy mud races and I normally do well. I've never been on one where the track just gave up and deteriorated and just went to crap. Like it, it was, it was interesting. When I when I got hung up one time towards around ten mile marker, and I looked at my watch and saw what time it was, and I'm like, "Hmm, well, wonder what time it would be when I actually get done with one lap." Well, the funny thing was is you had talked earlier about like Mindy said, "Yeah, after the third lap, I got to be ready to give him fuel or whatever." Yeah. And the race was going, and Mindy's got the she's looking at times, and yeah. she's like, "Trey, I I, I don't think." I think he may only get three laps because the pros, they haven't even come through yet. And like, they usually fly through yeah. this stuff. And then it got a little later and she's like, I look back and I'm like, what do you think about fuel? And she said, I don't think he's going to need any fuel no. at all. <laughs> no. And it was just kind of funny because you could see the fans, parents, husbands, wives watching. And it's like, we're all just kind of out there. Like, I know they're miserable, but this is miserable. And you're just doing everything you yeah. can to like buy time. And we bought a lot of time because no one was coming through. Yeah. No one was coming well, through. Well, that I mean that if you look at the lap times and the guys that managed to do two laps, I think a couple double A's actually they counted three. Um if you look at the lap like that shows you how bad it was. Yeah. And then, like once I saw the lap times and saw where everybody actually was. Like, I'm you still irritated. Yeah, I'm still irritated <laughs> about it, but I'm like, okay, it it is what it is. It sucked, yeah. but it's not like oh, I was out there just screwing around trying to survive. Well, the double A's were say twenty minutes off pace. Like, yeah. that's that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny is you, you came in, you came in, and you had that face of. You almost had the face of shell shock, like I don't know what the hell's happening here. Yeah. <laughs> but right next to us, there was a young a young kid in B open, who I, he came through at the start and threw his goggles. Yeah. Well, they were laying on the ground, so I went over and picked them up and put them on the chair. And his dad and girlfriend and wife came back and they're like, "I think those are his. I, those are his goggles. Did he forget his goggles?" And I finally walked over and said, "No, no, no. He threw them, <laughs> but I just hung them up yeah. on the chair." And they're like, he threw him? And I'm like, as soon as he came through the start, yeah. he threw him. Yeah. And uh, the dad was joking. Yeah, he told me. He's like, Dad, I, I like mud races. I, I, I've even won a mud race on in the beef. And he's like, he's – and now he pulled off. Yeah. And the same exact comment that you said about getting hung up, getting stuck, he's like, I, I, I couldn't do it. He goes, water was just running across the track. And he's like, I didn't know where what, what was a rut, what was a hole, what yeah. was a – and he's like, I'm sorry, Dad. I, I, I had to stop. Yeah. And the older gentleman and younger gentleman, both accomplished writers, both said that, like, yeah. nah, man, I tag out. I'm yeah. good. Well, even Sean Clark made a comment about, you know, same thing, like calling the race early was a smart decision. Yeah. Conditions were extremely bad. And, like, if you read through, like, comments on Facebook, like, everybody, for the most part, said the same thing. Like, yeah. Uh, we were done. Like, what, what do you want us yeah. to do? Like <laughs> there, 
it's impact. Yeah, it's impact. Because like we went into sections on the first lap where like you had to stop and physically look to see where you were going to go because all you see is ruts. Well, if it's that bad on the first lap, yeah. What are you going to do on the second lap? And like, you're only you're, you're only we're I won't say tough enough is not, we can handle it. Yeah. But we're also going to destroy the property. Yeah. Destroy the bikes. And if someone gets hurt, how are you going to get them out? Yeah. You're not with that it would be it would be very very difficult to actually do to get somebody out. Um is it dealing with that is no different than like when we got to try to haul somebody out of river ranch yeah. same thing like what could should be a 30 minute deal turns into hours yeah because there's no way to get to them or you can get to them okay now how do we get them out yep um it was it was just bad like if you if you if you made a lap you did good if you made two laps you got lucky yeah if you made three you're pushing your luck <laughs> Well, you you were very good about reading through comments and getting kind of the feel from general consensus. Good decision by FTR. Go play. My son is standing in front of the camera. <laughs> what would you like to ask us? So let's just say you weren't going to do two laps. Would you have to stop for fuel? No, I would have been fine. I would have just thrown my goggles off to y'all and been like, I'll be back at some point, hopefully. <laughs> Have dinner ready. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad it worked out because we got out of there before it got You couldn't get bad. Out. Yeah. So then if we would have, like, it would have sucked to sit there from, what, three-something till midnight? Like, yeah. Like, that, that would have just, that would have sucked. I wouldn't have been able to get my Arby's. No. Like, it, that wouldn't have been fun. No. So I it it all worked out right, and as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit smarter about, you know what, it's time to call it a day um, mm -hmm. instead of pushing my luck. Because it, it was – every time I stopped, the bike just went to boil and steam off of it. Well, I normally never have that issue on a bike. Yeah. So my as soon as that started happening, my th first thought was, okay, it's overheating just from the strain and everything. And it's like, well, we'll see if I'm going to have to do a top end. And, you know, it. so like I'm, I stop because one, it sucks. Two, I don't want to do another lap because it sucks. And I have to pay for my stuff. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not in the points hunt for anything. Like I'm just riding to have fun. I'm not going to destroy my bike yeah. just because. It's <laughs> nope. <laughs> and we should have gone and done the Sumter Enduro this year. They didn't have water up there. I know. It nice was still nice. I know. But it was nice and dry up there this year. Yeah. But uh no, but I wanted to get Jason's take on it because I was there as a fan watching and it's miserable. But someone actually one of my friends who knows me lives out west now and he's like, Hey, would you have enjoyed doing that race? And I said, I would have enjoyed the challenge <laughs> because I, I like those challenges, but I don't think I would have been no. Enjoyed the no. There's the challenge no, would have been cool, but it's not. No, because I've seen you not have fun when it's perfect, <laughs> and you're like, "This sucks." <laughs> that would have been like, "I hate myself." <laughs> but it was it was just one of those days. Um, but that led us to while we were talking, Jason's been trying some of the newer goggle not goggle technologies, but goggle film technologies because their NEPG went away from tear offs. Um, 
other places have gone away from tariffs and they, we are on borrowed lands. And I was watching guys sling off tariffs out in the cow pastures mm -hmm. and you were working, you've been trying some of these new films. Um, but I wanted you to talk about those. That was one of the things I wanted to talk about. So talk to us a little bit about All these right. films. So disclaimer, I'm not sponsored by, supported by, paid by uh, Armor Vision or Goggle Zone. No, you are a true paying customer yeah. who tries. Nobody to. helps me. I do all this on my own. So you have Armor Vision, who is, they're out of Europe somewhere. Um, they have one distributor in the U.S. and Pennsylvania. Everything else is overseas. Uh, Goggle Zone is somewhere in the U.S., and they're distributed out of Winter Haven, which is 20 minutes from us but I don't know where they're produced at. So these started just popping up across my Instagram feed. And I just... It's better than some of the other stuff that pops up on your Instagram feed. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't really pay any attention to it. And then one day I just clicked on it. And I'm like, what is, what is this? I'm like, hmm, well, it's cool if it actually works. So, and this has been months ago. Like, it just started popping up. But I guess... They pay for advertising and pushing their product and stuff. Um, so I saw it, looked into it a little bit. Both of them have really good reviews from anybody that's used it. I haven't been able to find any bad reviews, period. Uh, and then, like you said, NEPG and a couple other series have released, you know, hey, we're not doing tear-offs anymore, yada, yada, yada. So I bought some. Um, I know there's a couple people in FTR that have already been running them and chimed in in a couple different spots where the tear-off thing was brought up, and they had also nothing but good things to say. So what was it? Indian Town was the first race I tried them, which was, for us, an afternoon race, pretty much perfect conditions as far as the dirt, everything. Everything was it couldn't have been any better. Um, so at Indian Town, I used Goggle Zone, which is, those are just like this. Like I said, this is, it's like graphic yeah. thickness, not bad. Um, so with perfect conditions, I never touched the goggles once. Uh, I mean, obviously, I did get roosted and stuff, but. As I got roosted, it was pretty much stuff hit and immediately it was gone. Like it just disappeared. So I'm assuming it just basically slid off, which is what they say it does. Uh, it worked great. I cleaned up the goggles that I wore for Indian Town on Friday. I blew the dust off of them and wiped them and they were good to go. So this race... I tried the Armor Vision. Um, these are the 36 millimeter ones. And then the other ones are 50 millimeter, but they're supposed to be shaped like these. Okay. Uh, so I tried these. Obviously, you know the conditions, and we've talked about the conditions. They sucked. So basically, if you're going to test something with goggles, this weekend was a good test to see yeah. how it was going to do. Um, I didn't use any tear-offs, period. I just went with straight goggles with them on there. 
it's supposed to do xyz we're fixing to find out um so immediately off the start you're going in rain we hit the first turn mud's flying as it's hitting me it's just sliding off which was great uh i touched the goggles one time somewhere around where we were parked i just did a quick one of them stuff just slid right off i'm like okay it's working same thing we kept on i get hit with whatever it would slide off or i could see through enough and then i just do that real quick and we're great uh as far as the vision part they worked i would say in general the goggles failed just due to the amount of moisture um between the rain water being splashed up just everything became saturated the inside got water in them and then fogging started happening and it just eventually i pulled them off like four or five miles in because it, it was yeah. game over with them so i you want to give that another honest try yeah, I mean, they it worked. Yeah. It did do what they said it was going to do. The goggles more so failed, not the vision part. This, when I pulled them off, this was still clear. Just, there was just, everything was just saturated. There, you got water hitting you, water splashing up, water's running down. Like, it was just, yeah. it was too much. It didn't matter what you had. Your goggles were trashed. Um but the cool thing you keep saying the water came down. I don't care if you run tear offs and let, even laminates can get water roll off. You yeah. can get water. So the fact that you the only thing that failed was the goggle failing, not the you had to rip all your tear offs off because the water got in between them, or your roll offs got water behind yeah. them. It, that was that's a bonus. Yeah. Um, it, from what I can tell so far, either one work like they say it they're supposed to. Uh, I'll keep trying them and see because I mean, they, they have videos of them out there where they take it and take a pair of goggles and smash mud on them and then just do that. And it cut like, so it works. Um, is it a weird sensation to ride and like you get hit with something and not like want to pull or, or pull a string or is it, is it weird? How fast does it happen? I mean, I, I mean, I'm pretty observant and pretty comfortable with taking one hand off the handlebar, and I know when you can and when you can't. Yeah. Um, so, like, it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, honestly, it's – in some instances, it's easier to do this real quick than try to find this, especially if you're moving. And, you know, because sometimes, you know, you'll pull it, you'll rip it off this post, but it's still attached, you know. Yeah. So it can – doing this real quick – can be easier than trying to do this and making sure you don't grab the whole stack you're grabbing just you know the yeah. end uh, so yeah both work they're both priced the same they're basically 20 bucks a pack uh goggle zone is i believe four per pack for 20 armor vision is three per pack uh like i told you at the track the for me putting the armor vision ones on is a little bit easier than putting these on <clears throat> i don't know if it's just the adhesive they're using that makes a difference i don't know um i'll try to put another one of these on another set and see if maybe it's just my first time 
figuring them out was, you know, was the issue or not. Uh, but also, like I said, like you look at that and it's like, okay, that'll fit on most goggles. Yeah. And I'm sure some of the frames are bigger and this will fit on there. Uh, but like the ones I have, I had to, I cut off just a hair. And then once I put them on, I had to kind of go a little bit at an angle mm. and get them to fit, which they say on the websites, both, both companies, if you need to cut them, you can cut them. It doesn't hurt anything, but it's one of them things. I don't, I hate having to modify something I bought that's supposed to fit. Yeah. So if they, to me, if they notch these, like they notch these and it'd be perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's legit. It's not, it's not a gimmick. Well, it is a bigger field of vision than a roll off. I mean, if you look at a canister or roll offs, it's a little thinner Yeah. than a roll off is a little thinner than that. So, it's just one of those technologies. I'm guessing if these guys kind of nail it, someone's going to buy it. And yeah, at some point, somebody will buy the technology or buy them out. And the only way you can make it better is if you did specific individual lenses mm -hmm. or a this in the shape of that lens. Yeah. Or just inside the the entire lens, but just inside the tear off post of that lens to where it's the whole field of vision, which would be better yeah. um, and would save the lens because they say, you know, we take these off and just put another one on. And so they work. It's cool. Um, I'll keep messing with them. And I think there's a lot of people that are buying them from my kind of interpretation of everything. So they, they kind of popped up and came along at the right exact right time. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know who who owns or who's involved with. I mean, who knows? Somebody from an EPG or one of them could be involved behind the scenes with one of these, and yeah. is secretly well, he just cashed in and he's good. Well, if you want to find them, you can go to www.armorvision.co for the European brand, and for the American brand, you can do the gogglezone.com. Yep, um, and both of those. You can check them out. Like Jason said, he's not he's not an, uh, a paid endorser or sponsored or anything. He just the one thing cool about Jason is he he is willing to try different technologies, um, and he'll tell you, yeah, this is worth the money or it's not worth the money. I mean, we started running a particular tire because we could get a whole set of tires for the cost of one front tire, and the life of those tires was pretty reasonable. Yeah, it was comparable to so, everything else. And we're not sponsored by them either, but it worked. And so a lot of the stuff that, that they try, he's been doing this a long time. So when you brought that years. up, 31 years. <laughs> 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 and uh, so when he tries something, I, I like picking his brain on it because he'll say like, ah, that's a joke. You don't need to do that. Or no, this really helped. And, and uh, when I say he tries stuff, literally will test and test and test and test and test and test until it works right. And, and, uh, he's not afraid to spend his own money on stuff. So, um, that's understandable. kind of, <laughs> kind of fun to get his opinion on, on, on things. And, um, but that being said, another one of the topics I want to talk, is there anything else on goggle technologies that you've been hearing about or reading about or anything that's going on or no, not really. No, 
No? Okay. I didn't know if you, because I know you kind of have your, amazingly, you have your ear to the ground and read all the forms and different things going on. And where a lot of us look at the pretty pictures, you like dive into yeah. the, the math behind it. No, it's just, I mean, goggle prices. Well, depends on what you want. Goggle prices are kind of ridiculous. But if you wait certain times of the year, or they're going to change the stuff out, they'll drop the prices down enough to where it's like, okay, it's not a bad deal. Um, I pretty much swapped out between last year and the first part of this season, or before the season started. I've swapped out pretty much all my goggles. Uh, the FMF ones, which are 100%, yeah. they, did, they had a big sale on all their stuff, so I bought numerous pairs. Um, and then my dad bought a pair of uh, the Armega mm -hmm. with whatever. It's like a blue cover, uh, blue colored lens, which was supposed to, I can't remember what it was supposed to do. But he bought them. He got them like on a discount with something he had bought. And let me try them. And I was like, oh, the lens is actually cool. Um, and the goggles actually fit really well. So I'm like, oh, I'll buy a few pair of them. I actually found them on discount. So I... <laughs> Bought a few pair. Uh, they're neat. They, you know, a normal goggle lens sits inside the frame all the way around. Has to get in and out. Yes. Well, these actually have a two light levers on the side that actually lock it. Like you put the lens in and like snap it down, like a rubber make container, uh, sort of, kind of like that. It. If you don't know how to take them apart, you're sitting there scratching your head like, "What am I missing?" And you will sit there for an hour and try. And then you'll finally look up what what am I doing wrong? And you're like, oh, I'll just do this. So does the lens sit on top? Yeah. So it doesn't sit in anything. Yeah, anymore. it sits on top and snap and it locks it in just like a rubber made lid. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. Does it help vision? Do you see more? Is there is there more? It is a now? bigger field of vision. Yeah. Just the the goggle frame itself and then the lens is more open. How do they fit in the helmet? Because I mean, that's that's a that's a test. Yeah, that, that well, I mean that's all preference and which helmet you have and with mine with my hjc's so like the oakley o-frames just sit like right in these sit in and then i kind of adjust my helmet a little bit and like they go in even tighter mm -hmm. and then never move so it depends on the opening how big your nose is the slow like it's yeah. that's one of them very personal preference like and that's a tough thing to try. I know the goggle thing is a tough one because, like you said, goggles aren't cheap. And you buy them, oh, I like these. And you buy them, and then you put them on, and you're like, they kind of press on my nose. Yeah. I mean, if you wear roll-offs, man, you, it's hard to find them to fit good in a yeah. helmet because they're, like, they're right here. And yeah. By the way, if you run roll-offs, as cool as it is to have that canister, you lose a little peripheral vision with your roll-offs. Yeah. Well, I – so when at – what was it? Sumner? Sumner last year when – I was waiting for you at the next la end of the last next last section. Yeah, and took your goggles. Yeah, when I put them on, I'm like, oh, <laughs> all this out here is now yeah, gone. It's gone. It's just, yeah, it, it's a it's a it changes your whole yeah. perception. And there's no way to fix that, but um, maybe one of these will be that fix at some yeah. point. Um, I I keep thinking that these will be great with have a couple tear offs, but then you have the tear offs, and what do you do with the tear offs? Because as cool as it is to say, yeah, you just rip it off and put it in your boot. Well, I don't know if you, how good you are to 
rip off your tear off and reach down and stick something in your boot yeah. while you're going. Like for like the enduros, I don't really, I don't really know why so many guys are running so many tear offs with the enduros because you're not really, you're not really racing with anybody. You're, you're like you're by yourself for the most part, sort of. Yeah. And then you catch up to somebody and they let you buy most of the time. No big deal. Like you're not like getting roosted. So I don't like when we would go, I would run a few. And normally I would tear that one off before the start of each section. So I tear it off and I would just stick it in the, the handlebar on the flex bar. I'll just shove it in there and it would sit there and stay. But I'm not, I wasn't like tearing them off like during yeah. the, actual riding because nobody's roosting me it's just gradual stuff hitting and then at the end i tear it off and i got clear vision i don't know why some guys are going through stacks and stuff like i don't yeah. i don't know what they're doing for like an actual motocross race or hair scramble where like i get it to an extent because even then if you're not really getting directly roosted your vision is not really being dirty so yeah. why are you going through so many tear-offs we're not supercross riders. We don't need to come in. I always like when the guys come in after the race and pull a tear off. And I'm like, why are we pulling a tear off? The race is over. Why yeah, are we pulling yeah, a tear off yeah. now? And by the way, when you go on the podium, you're getting a different set of goggles anyway. Yeah. But uh, no, it's one of those things. It's going to be an issue moving forward. I think it, right now it's the hot button issue. You know, we can't really, we're not, we're not all going to electric bikes. We're not. So let's, let's tackle the goggle thing. Yeah. And, you talked about this, and, and it's something interesting. And the one thing you did say is you have to be careful putting them on because yes. it, it's very – you will get bubbles. Yeah, air bubbles on it. It's just like putting on graphics. You have to go just follow directions. If you do exactly what it says, you peel back just a little bit and just start and just start working it nice and easy all the way across. And it, Do you use a squeegee or just your finger? No, I just use my finger and just sit there and work it and heat it up and just slowly go all the way across. Um like I said, these were very easy. Put them on and pretty much no issues. Uh, the first one of these I tried, I ended up pulling off and throwing away because I put it on like, oh, this is easy, no big deal. And then when I actually looked and held it up, I'm like, oh. And those I couldn't get the bubbles out, and I don't know how good the adhesive is to pull it off and then reapply. So I tossed it, put another one on, and just went really, really, really slow. And there was like one minuscule little bubble. Uh, so like I said, I'll try these other two. And since I know now how to do it more specific, yeah. if it's easier or not. But these are super easy. Very good. Well, that is your uh, goggle technology updates. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk to Jason about was... Um, Some mosquitoes. Yeah. Professional motocross is hot right now professional supercross is hot right now off-road is making a comeback but back in the day guys that kind of i won't say couldn't make it or were at the end of their career might transition into off-road and last year justin starling did iron man he did an ftr race and we've had guys come in um i know before zach osborne went off-road he actually came and tried some when he was riding for geico we get those we get those one off guys, but you had actually talked about why don't more motocross guys that either aren't gonna make it or are 
getting to the end, yeah, jump into off-road and explain your reasoning behind that and explain how quickly you think they can transition into that and what your reasoning for wanting them to come to off-road is. Well, I think so. I look at things a little bit different. You think? Maybe I just say what everybody else wants to say, but they don't. So it, it's like we'll back up a little bit. You have to have money to make everything revolve. You have to have money to live. You have to have money to do this. You have to have money to do that. I know. I don't know specific numbers because nobody can actually or nobody will put out specific numbers of, hey, this is what I actually make. You see periodically every season during Supercross or Motocross, somebody will put out a pay sheet of, okay, well, this is what, from AMA, this is what they're paid. Yeah. Okay, well, they're paid this much. Well, what about, what is the manufacturer paying? Or what is this brand paying? Like, there's a lot of unknowns yeah. that only some people know, and most of them that know do not divulge the actual legit figures. So my thing is, if you look at the payout for like GNCC for XE1, the payout's actually somewhat decent. It's not great, mm -hmm. but looking at some of the numbers from like some of the 250 stuff in Supercross, it's way better than that. So if you want to race, great, cool. If you're one of the guys, you are part of the 1% that is able to go to a Supercross or a Pro Motocross and you qualify, like, great. Like, hats off to you. But unless you're part of that other quarter, you're not going to make a living doing it. Yeah. But you want to race motorcycles for a living. So why not be like, okay, cool. I'm good enough to go do this, but I'm not this good but i'm this good well let me go try to off-road stuff okay well i'm speed wise you're probably pretty close you just have to change some of your stuff and you'll fit right in and oh well well i can finish eighth and make x amount of dollars well i made 300 and spent two grand yeah like to me, it, I don't know how it doesn't make sense to them. Now, which, I mean, GNCC is getting more and more recognition. Um, National Enduro is starting to get a little bit more. It's starting to catch on and be more mainstream, um, especially with Baylor. He's definitely one of the ones that is pushing it to become what it should be. Yeah, his throw-together team had a pretty good weekend at the GNCC. Yes, yes they did, <laughs> which shows he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, but like we talked this weekend, I would like to see it. You know, this team's got five guys. This team has five guys. This team had like, like it was in the early mid two thousands. Like everybody was loaded with riders and then you had your individuals and stuff like, come do it. Don't, don't be scared. Yeah. Like you're probably going to make more money than you did racing supercross. And guess what? You train a little bit, you ride, you go race, you're good. Yeah. You don't have to 
pound out motos all week and do like it's not it's not the same you have to train but it's not the same environment and same atmosphere and you can go try other things and if you want to do motocross on the side well there is a three-month break yeah because and you can go hit some motocross and you can go do fair races and you can do i mean there's only 13 rounds and if you try to chase both you're doing 31 rounds and i know it's not the same but there is recognition now i mean there is there there is there are stars there are there are talents and there are series that actually pay i know like ftr doesn't pay but you go to a mid-east race and you win that you're gonna get you're gonna make some money yeah actually decent money and and so there are ways to do that and you're not gonna lose your speed i mean these guys i know that uh jack chambers and jason and uh jesse ride together well Jack came and did one FTR race mm-hmm. during the off season yeah, yeah, yeah. last year. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He, he, he was just fine. Yeah. He was just fine. Like he, he didn't lose the off-road skill from riding the MXGP all no. year. So how do you suggest that we get more people? Because I'm kind of dipping Walk up my to toe. Him and just tell them, Hey, you're probably not going to make a living at this. Why don't you come try this? Honestly, that's, or ask him, have you ever, yeah. And some will say, yes, as a kid, I did. Or they'll say, no, I've never done that. What is that? Like, there's a lot of them, they're oblivious, yeah. which I don't really understand how you're a professional in a sport and don't know anything about other than your your little circle. Yeah. Like, I don't – like Starling. Like, he he was down here, and then he went to – what was it, last GNC, the last one of last season. Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. And Ampro gave him a bike and set him up and yeah. did the whole nine yards. And I watched his vlog. Uh, he had a blast. Yeah. He had an absolute blast. But he he's a professional writer. Has sponsors, and there, I'm sure there's some money exchanged. But he had no idea how to set a bike up, how this feels, what am I supposed to like? How? As an amateur, I get it. Like, there's some people that are oblivious. They have no clue. They just get on and ride. As a professional, you should know. <laughs> yeah, but he's also had people setting up. He said the biggest difference that he noticed was they had tested a kit the day before. Mm-hmm. He flies up and he hops on the bike and he's like, ooh, this thing's soft. Mm-hmm. And he was basically riding someone else's bike. I can't remember whose bike he was riding, but he was riding someone else's bike. He was riding one of Ricky Russell's ah. 450s. Yeah. And and so it was set up for him. But he's like, they told me whatever I need. They treated me like, do you want? how do you want your bars? Yeah, how yeah, do you want yeah. your... And you can still have that yeah. environment. <clears throat> I mean, I know... But you can also do private to your life. I mean, I look at Jesse. Jesse's working so he can race, mm-hmm. um, which you'll get to hear. He actually opened up about actually what he does mm-hmm. when he's not... But he... He's doing privateer. He's also been on those factory supported teams. And he's like, dude, it was so surreal walking into California the first time I saw my race bike. Like, yeah. that feeling. Well, if you've had that feeling and then you have to go privateer life, Justin Starling has been on those teams and now does it privately on purpose. Yeah. Like, I make more by setting up my own program. Yeah. Well, guess what? You don't have to have a kit suspension to go off road racing. No. You don't have to do the modifications on the bike. Yes, your bike's going to get beat up, but you only do that 13 times a year. Yeah. So, uh, and most other forms of racing, most Enduros, they're not that bad. Most, uh, was it the J-Days, are not that bad. Most, no. But it's, the GNCC is the premier thing, 
So it is the it is the supercross of off road. Yeah, it just happens to be really dirty. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, they had a dry race in South Carolina, and it's crazy how dirty the everybody was. And it's like because they're they find whatever water they can. Yeah, they're going to send you through it. Johnny Gerard was pretty dry though. He was pretty clean. But he pretty, he basically led from start to finish. He's had a very good uh, winter. Yes, he's had a very good winter. Yep. Um, it was actually it's funny reading through the, through the results of the U.S. Sprint Enduro, the uh, first round of National Enduro, and the GNCC. It was funny seeing the guys who had had some good rounds mm. had some good rounds. Yeah. The only one I noted noted was Cody Barnes had a off day in XC2. Yeah, I guess he had a bad crash on the opening lap. And that's why he finished where he finished. Yeah. So, <clears throat> by the way, the guy that won XC2, last name is it Reardon or Riordan? Uh, the Spanish guy? Yeah. No, Australian. I thought Liam, uh, was it, was it Draper? Well, he said he was from Australia on his sheet. No one XC2? Let's see. We said, we said it was Reardon. Reardon? We went with Reardon. Last name Reardon. Uh, let's see. Let me find it. Because we want to make sure we get it right. I don't want to. Well, if it's some weird name, I mean, I, I probably ain't going to tell you the right way either. Well, we we based it on there was used to be a horse named Reardon that was spelled exactly the same way. So we spelled it Reardon, or we said it Reardon. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, Draper got uh, second. Um, Angus? Reardon. Or Riordan. If he was Spanish, I might say Riordan. Ah, ah come on! You know, all the, <laughs> you know all this stuff. I'm sure you've listened to an interview with him. I mean, I I know who you're talking about, but he's just one of them guys that kind of just showed up. Okay, so motocross guys that should go try off road. Give me a list. Who I don't do know think? him by name. Well, where where in the pecking order do you think these guys? Guys that are making night shows, guys that are making mains, finishing 15 to 20th, 22nd, I guess. Guys who are making I mean, I, motocross, not scoring points. I mean, I guess it, if you're making a salary racing, like you're making a salary a year, a decent salary, okay, you probably can stay doing what you're doing for a while. If you're not making a salary, Somebody's not physically paying you money, and you're basically having to foot the bill. Go try something else. You're make you're making the night show every event. Okay, you're making some money, but I won't say you're making enough to live off of. No. You're what you're making is being absorbed before the next round. Yeah. Like you're not, you can't live off that. Um, of course, we don't know contingencies and sponsorships. Yeah, and there's, there, like you said, there's, there's a lot of variables that nobody really opens yeah. up about, and I'm sure some of it they can't legally. They sign NDAs and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know about those now. I have you sign one after tonight that way. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it is, it is funny because sponsors don't necessarily want to want you to know what they're putting in. Yeah, and the writer doesn't want you to know that. And it's not necessarily the rider. Sometimes it's the team. They got these. By the way, if you can ever sneak a peek at some of the haulers, not the factory haulers, mm -hmm. but some of the haulers, they're just transport devices. They can put cars in those things for all you yeah. know. There's they're nothing just big in billboards. there. They're just big billboards. Yeah. They don't even have 
Some of them don't even have spare engines in them. Yeah. They're just billboards yeah. with a sitting area up front for the guys to hang out. So don't let that fool you. And I think that's what we were talking about too is some of these guys that probably could save themselves some money mm -hmm. by trying something different yeah. and still get the experience. And you're not being – I think Whiskey Throttle is doing a really good job of highlighting off-road guys mm -hmm. that have tried motocross they're, they're, they that started out in motocross and are making a good – life yeah. off-roading out west and by the way you don't have to race gncc there's some series out west that yeah, are going to do works or something that, there's a couple of them yeah, out there big six or yeah mpg or it's not any pg it's something else it sounds similar to it but there there's lots of series yeah that you can go try and it's like a lot of these privateers that they go to europe and do these one-off races and i think one of the guys did a dutch masters race because mm. someone paid for his whatever's going to get you paid and you want to race a dirt bike yeah go, go try it, it. yeah go, go try it. it but don't be afraid of the gnc if you can race a motocross race your conditioning will get you through a gncc if you're truly prepared for a motocross yes race, yes you will be able to do a gncc yeah. and i know that sounds weird because it's two hours longer than a full day of motocross race but i guarantee if you're doing the exact training the guy that we sponsor I know his workout program, his cardiovascular, he would be fine in a GNCC yeah. because his heart rate is stupid. Like he would be fine. Mm -hmm. he, he could handle it. Now he might not like bouncing off trees, but he would be fine. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on that because you are, you always are paying attention and you are outspoken, but you also, you're not afraid of saying, Hey man, I don't care if you chase a dream, but look, look at this alternative. Yeah. There, well, I mean, it's, at some point, the dream's going to be done. Yeah. You have to have something to fall back on. So that fallback, realistically, in my opinion, maybe should start way before the dream is over to support part of the dream. You know, it, you got to balance it out. But if you want to race, there's, like you said, there's numerous forms. Off-road is catching on. The payout realistically isn't that bad and the more riders they can get in maybe they can get the damn numbers up higher. yeah yeah i mean it's it's a it's a true statement and if you get some more names i mean we do have Stu baylor right now and we have we have johnny gerard who's who's an interesting character he is he is a, he's a he's a interesting character well do you know i mean do you know his his brief back history of actually who he is I've I've listened to a podcast with him. Okay. Yeah, okay. like he he's he's a free spirit. Yeah. Well, he start he's one of the founding riders of the J Day series. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I mean, I know he's lived in a van and he's done some stuff. And yeah, he's he's had a rough yeah upcoming, but he was one of I can't remember if his family was directly involved with that series starting or not, but they were very well known like initially out the gate, and he's got numerous titles out of that. And if you go back like on YouTube and watch. Uh, the videos of their races from like day one, yeah. like he's fast. He's very fast. Yeah. He's, he's and he will let it hang out. Yes, which is cool because the, the two guys who really let it hang out were one and two this weekend. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Grant and Stu are not the same people. No. The top two guys let it hang out, and then we got tidy as we went along. Yeah. The tidy riders kind of yeah. started filling in, but. It's can't this all can't rely on Stu to bring this up. 
we have Thad. Luckily, we have Thad. Thad's is willing to speak his his piece on stuff. Um, it's we have to get some of these other guys and some other guys who want to join yeah. and come in um, because it can't rely on how much longer do we have Stu. You've even said, I mean, it doesn't matter if Stu wins a title he's probably done yeah i think i think he will be done and and then what happens does he stay involved does he disappear into the woods does he no, go to his he facility will, he will stay so i i don't know specifically i just put pieces together from what i'm gathering right now thad is working with Stu at the facility now teaching which i read somewhere the other day they have quite a that, few kids. Thad was probably going to go that route anyway uh, if this ride didn't appear for this year. So he's got a ride, he's racing, and he's teaching, and he's working on, with his son who is getting fast very quickly. Yeah, he actually won this weekend. Yeah, but <laughs> if you watch any of his Instagram clips of his son, like he's, he's a little dude yeah. on a 50 mini, and he'll pretty much hit whatever. He yeah. doesn't care. He's scooting, and, and these are the guys that Caleb Russell, he shut it down. He was gone. Yeah. Now, he still runs a facility, and but yeah. he but he disappeared. We we need these guys. Like, yeah. Caleb Russell could be a face right now of of yeah. the sport. Well, he's surrounded with NDAs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. Stu, Stu will run his facility. I think he will maintain a team of some sort and stay involved. And I would, I would almost say – predicting further down the line, I could see him, like you have uh, Jeff Russell, who is Caleb's dad, mm -hmm. who was a professional racer, came into GNCC, and is the head trail boss, all this, you know. I could foresee Stu falling into management at some point and running GNCC. He's mm -hmm. smart enough. It, he's a dumbass redneck from the woods that actually knows what he's doing and knows what he's talking yeah. about. He's not as stupid as what People probably think he is, oh, he just, you know, he's always just talking shit and drinking beer. Yeah, he does all that, but he also is very smart. But when the business needs to be business, he, yes. he, can he knows what he's doing. Don't let the outside facade deter you from looking in the building. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's go back to Red Bull KTM for a second. <laughs> Johnny Gerard and Ben Kelly. I know Ben's hurt. You want to talk about two opposites? Ben Kelly, Mr. Button-Up, nice, like, clean, tidy. But they're making Johnny that way. I think they're shaping him. I think they're going to – I think he's going to be the Aaron Plessinger of the off-road world. Yeah, he may, but it's because – I mean, I have to wear a So, like, hat. with that being said, because Stu has said this numerous times and hinted to stuff, the reason KTM would never hire him is because – or would never give him a full factory ride or keep him on a factory ride is because basically he does not fit their image. They want pretty face, cut hair, suit and tie, can pull it off. Well, you had Caleb Russell, who is a yes man. You have Ben Kelly, who is a yes man. Charlie Mullins. Yes. Yeah. And I think they're trying to mold Johnny into that role because if you look at Ben Kelly, he's fast, but he's been hurt numerous times the last couple of yeah. years. Well, you only can do that so long 
before either you don't have a ride or your body just says, I'm done. Yeah. So they have to, I think right now, he is their, their golden child. Because it's not Dante. I mean, Dante's good, but Dante's a West Coast guy who's trying to do East Coast stuff. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Dante in the West Coast, don't mess with him. Yeah. But, but over here, this is a new baby. Yeah. So he's, he's adjusting. But uh, I think Josh Strang had a good showing in the Sherco. Not bad. I mean. Typical. It was a late, late put together. Yeah. And he's doing his own thing. Yeah. So. He, had, he had it. I would say he had his typical results. He'll he'll have his couple races where he finishes on the podium. He may even win one. Um, we had talked earlier about uh, Preston Reigns. Do we know what happened? Is she okay? Was it a bike issue? It was apparently a bike. Something happened to the bike. Okay. Okay. Which cause... brings me <laughs> to I know shit happens, but if if I'm riding, I'm your rider. You're providing everything, taking care of everything, whatever. And I don't even make it a mile. Me as a rider, I'm going to be living. Yeah. Like, uh, we have a problem. That's not, to me, that's not acceptable. And Baylor even brought that up. And uh, Bottle MX did an interview with him at the GNCC. And they talked about a little bit of his program this year. And, you know, Stu talked about, you know, they made a lot of changes, did a lot of different things. And he's like, last year at this race, he's like, I'm the only one that finished on the team. He's like, it was kind of hard at different times. I'm racing, trying to win, and I'm going by, and there's my bike sitting on the side of the track. There's my bike sitting on the side. And all the bikes failed on the same part. And it ended up being a recall from KTM that crippled all their bikes at one time. And he's like, well, you know. Is my when is mine dying? Yeah. You know, so like it screws with your head. Like, yeah. But prior to this event, her being on the uh, Sherco, she's done way better than she yeah. ever did on Yamaha. Yeah, she had a good result at the uh, at the uh, Enduro. I can't remember if it was the, the Sprint or the yeah, U.S. Sprint Enduro. Sprint Enduro. Yeah. So I mean, there's something there. But I, I was looking at the results. Shockingly, do you know there are more women's pro quad racers than women's pro? Dirt bike racers? Mm -mm. Yeah, there's actually more. And now, maybe there are more. They just didn't do the first round. But mm -hmm. according to this race, uh, MJ and I were talking about this, the women's both classes, we're starting to get a healthy a healthy women's racers. Yeah. Guess what, women? This is your chance to do something because and we're going to see what happens with WMX this year. We're going to see what happens. You're doing your own series, but this is you can shine here. Yeah. Jordan Jarvis is jumped into off-road, mm -hmm. um, and she was a very fast young lady, a very fast young yeah. lady. Um, so this is a chance. We were talking about getting rides. Yeah. You know, Rachel Archer is – I say this really politely because I know you're a woman and I'm scared. You're a beast. <laughs> you were a beast on the Yamaha. And everybody talks about how hard it is to make a bike change. And by God, she made a bike change and she goes on to win. So. <laughs> I don't think it, it's for them. They know what they like. They just have to reproduce it. Yeah. You may have to make little changes here and there, but a bike to them is a bike to them. And, and guys, I know we're all fast in our own minds. Don't doubt. Don't. If you race the 10 o'clock race with the ladies, just get the hell out of the way. Yeah. They're coming through, and they're coming through fast. And and 
they will pass you. Yeah. For the most part, they will pass you. I know the, the sportsman A class is always faster yeah, than yeah. those guys, but they, these women are, are you don't mess around with them. Yeah. They're, they're quick. But uh, overall, I think we got everybody through healthy, minus Ben Kelly, who was already hurt. Yeah. Um, any, do you think there's anybody that's going to stand out in the Florida sand? It's a toss up, just like it is, like used to. Is all, all right, this guy's going to win. This one's going to finish this. this. I think now it's whoever just finishes in front. Like it's it's a toss up. You don't yeah. know. Yeah, they, they, uh, I think the series, if we can keep everybody healthy, I think we'll see multiple winners because like Craig DeLong's not going to be where Craig DeLong was for this race for all the races. No. Um, you know, I think, like you said, Strang's going to have his moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're going to have an XC2 guy overall. I think we're, I think, I think there's enough top, top guys in the XC1 class that are going to continue that. Yeah. Um, as long as they all stay healthy. Yeah. And it doesn't thin out. But, uh, nope, that's what I wanted to have you on for. We're going to continue tackling this, getting more people into off road. Um, uh, cause he still races. I talk about racing and I go to a lot of races, a lot of races, a lot of different kinds of races. So I get to see it. And with this platform and the motocross platform podcast and out and about, I'm starting to meet more people. Um, even Jesse said, you, you made the comment at some point, the dream ends. Jesse said, cause MJ asked him when you got hurt, you know, have you ever just thought, and he's like, yeah, when you're really hurt. Then I woke up and the anesthesia wore off and I was like, all right, <laughs> this sports, as this is his quote, this sport's too damn fun to quit. And if I get to the point that I can't make it in the pros, I'm still going to race. Yeah. And he's like, he has a great thing here in Florida. The kids love him. He does a lot of camps. Yeah. He's, he's positive with the kids. Well, guess what? He's making, whether or not he races or he just becomes the, the Florida guy yeah. and does some Enduros and... Do, He's going to have fun racing. Yeah. Of course, we all want to live the dream, but he's not. He even said, it's too damn fun to quit. Yeah. Like, I'm going to race. Well, and that's the part that I think a lot of people, you got, you have people that come into the sport, 40 year old guy, 50 year old guy. They come in, they buy a $15,000 bike. They got $1,000 worth of, like, they're, they're decked out and they're a beginner or a sea rider and they're like, they act like they're they're going to be the next big thing, and it's yeah. like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, still waiting for someone to sponsor me. Just just go ride and have fun. Yeah. Like just just go have fun. Yeah, no one cares. Yeah, it's like that. They talk about that. It's funny. We have the same thing in the off road world that they have at amateur motocross. You get these old guys that go to Loretta Lens. Yeah, they're pissed off that Mike Brown's racing. Well, what the hell is he supposed to do? He wants to race. Yeah, you're not getting if you win the fifty plus class at Loretta's, you're not getting sponsored anyway. No, you who cares? You're racing for fun. <laughs> no one cares. As far as I'm concerned, they can get rid of those classes yeah. of Loretta's because all we're trying to find is the next pro. I don't care about yeah. it. I mean, I think it'd be fun to qualify for Loretta's just to do it, but it's fun. No one's coming to sponsor you. If you qualify for Loretta's in the 40s, no one gives a shit. No, no one's coming. Honestly, to sponsor I wouldn't even, if I qualified, I wouldn't even go because you knew you made it and yeah. just let some alternate go. Yeah. I, I don't care. Comes back to money. Yeah. The amount of money it takes to just go there is stupid. Not not doing it. Yeah. It's not it's not worth it. You're not getting anything out of it other than 
I went to Loretta's and raced and yeah. finished 31st. Yeah. Okay, cool. You qualified and you went. Great. But, okay. Well, you know the rough estimate what it cost. We'll take out areas and regionals because that's you could go to those pretty easily. We know what it costs roughly to go to Loretta's for the week. How many GNCCs could you do for that one week of racing? Well, it's what? It's what? Close to? Close to 10. It's like 10, 15-ish, somewhere, yeah. something like that. Yeah. The way we did the Enduros last year, you you probably could go. Half a season? Probably more than that. As long as you didn't have any major issues, yeah. I mean, when you got fifteen, you know, fifteen grand, just call it twenty grand. Like I know shit's expensive, but if you do everything smart, you could you could do it. Yeah, and, and I'm the first to tell you if I have a little kid, a little kid, we're probably going to start with motocross because actually, I know off road there's a better time value money. But for little kids, there's really not a better time value money than just going to a motocross track because the races are short. Yeah, it's e it's easier to get them acclimated to riding in that environment, especially if the facility has a peewee-specific track yeah. set to the side, like Bartow did. It was very easy with him. Take him out there, can teach him. He's... You can stand in the center and see everything. It's yeah. it's simple. It's it's easier. I think once you get, I think for FTR at sixty fives, I think once you can race an hour, an hour and a half, mm -hmm. then the off road side becomes very time value money worth it because you go there and you race. But as a little peewee kid, yeah. a twenty minute race, spend how much to get in when you can go to a motocross and you can get two motos, three motos depending on the series you're running in a weekend i still think for little kids once you get past the little kids the rest of us dude the expense of hanging out at a motocross race or going to an ftr or mid east yeah, or gcc yeah. you get so much more in that for my opinion yeah i mean well it's i, I guarantee you there are there are peewee people in ftr that spend triple what I spend for one day, they spend this triple that for somebody to go race 20 minutes. Yeah. Realistically, get your butt up, throw the bike in the damn truck, drive there, race, come home. Yeah. It's not, you don't need, <laughs> we, we talked about this on one of the other ones. Like you don't need, $100,000 motorhome, $30,000 trailer for a 50. Yeah. Like, you don't need that. I don't care how good he is. You don't need that. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things that, and I know we've heard the arguments, oh, we, we I got to have something for the family to do. Man, if it's just a little kid racing, like you said, throw it in the back of the truck. You, hell, you can throw it in the back of your SUV. for Exactly. <laughs> like, it's not 50 hard. 50. And they really are only 20-minute race. That's why I've said I think I think for little kids, and I'm an off-road guy, I think for little kids, the motocross, because they're it's a controlled environment. It's 
you can get those skills. And once they get to the 65s and they can actually do the normal tracking, yeah. they race for an hour. Cool. Then hey, you yeah. know what? There's, there's a good, there's a good, there's a good thing to that. But all right. So mission, we have to start working on getting pros into the off-road world, start building back up these pro teams. <laughs> but we also need the factory teams to start looking for other riders to come in and fill those spots. I mean, right now we have KTM, we have Yamaha, there is a Honda group. Kawasaki's got a couple of teams, but none of them are really true factory. I think isn't isn't Grant's of K, uh, Babbitt still or yeah, which is the factory. Yes, factory ish. Well, yeah, I mean, because they were they were the factory or whatever you want to call it for the arena cross yeah. stuff. Yeah, and then they dipped over into this for whatever reason, and I think it's just no. Uh, there's one more in XC1 with Grant. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't think of his name, but there's one more. Uh, Ryan Snodgrass. Oh, okay. I think. Uh, so there's two of them, and then Stu got his bikes from a dealer. I don't know what arrangement yeah. was made from Kawasaki. Same with like Matt Bell and all. You know, yeah. I'm sure there's something there, but it ain't like they were shipped in crates from California. Yeah, they he went to a dealer and picked up his stuff but yeah that's that's the kind of stuff that well we'll make you flyers and every supercross you go to you start <laughs> come, come join us come race off recruiting road. posters but i got a question for you the with triumph coming in and and them wanting to really get into the supercross thing could we see a triumph team at some point you could they want to give me a bike i'll try it I, mean, I ain't the fastest, but you know what? I'll see if the damn thing works. Yeah. I mean, I'll give my honest opinion. <laughs> Ducati's main, the story behind Ducati coming in is hilarious. When they were winning everything in MotoGP, KTM didn't mess with them. They didn't mess with KTM in the MXGP world. Mm -hmm. When KTM came in to MotoGP, mm -hmm. Ducati held that in the back of their hind. Okay. You're coming into our sandbox? Yeah. Okay, and they sat on it. Now, yeah, we want to go win Supercross. They've already said we're not here to win anything but Supercross mm -hmm. because KTM stepped on in their playpen, mm -hmm. and they're like, we're going to step in your playpen. Now. Yeah, and it's pretty funny that they've held on to that. So I don't see them jumping into the off-road world, but KTM's big in the off-road world, so I don't know. But with Triumph in. I'd love to see another Suzuki team for God's sakes. Like yeah. I know that, but you can put a recluse in it and you could have, don't a, do that. They don't like recluses. <laughs> you can do something <laughs> to deaden the stalling capability because pretty much every bike out there now has a push well, start. So they only made them from three or four years. They made the RMZ 450 X or Z, whatever it is, I think Z, which is the RM, the RM450 with electric start, a couple other things. You can take all that and put it onto the motocross bike. You have to do a few things, but uh, Elliot Cook in South Florida from Sharp Moto has done it too, because that's all he rides is Suzuki's. He built an RMZ 450 with electric start. He took the other one, took the motor, and he swapped everything. So it's all there. Yeah. 
Yeah, they just have to bolt it together. It's not. It's not like they have to reproduce or come up with something. It, it's there. Because the funny thing is, we're seeing that bike's still good. Yeah. I mean, I know Ken Roxon's on it, but look past Ken Roxon. Look at Kyle Chisholm and McElrath. They're putting the bike in the main and making it. Yeah. So well, it's still competitive. Like me and my dad the other day when we were messing with that gas gas. In one of our conversations, I'm like, you know, I've only had a few bikes riding total out of my whole life that we really didn't have to do anything to, period. The only ones so that uh, 450FX I had, the only thing we had to do to it, I had to put uh, the 450F fork springs in it to balance it. Other than that, didn't really do anything to it. Um, that Honda I had. Yeah. That was a nice bike. Didn't really do anything to it. Yeah. And that Suzuki. I put exhaust on it just to let it breathe a little bit more. And that was, it was fine. Yeah. Like, out of the box, it was good. So it's, everybody, oh, well, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Why does it need to change? It's a good bike. Yeah. I mean, KTM did change, and look what happened to them. Yeah. Like it, The KTMs are. Uh, so, well. Jason, I'm going to start getting Jason on when there's something cool that's going on or there's a technology or something. that Just you're... put me on with them, Jay. <laughs> Don't be scared. I won't beat them on TV. But we're going to have going to get Jason on more often because he does. He keeps his ear to the ground on the off-road side. And um, since I'm not actually participating currently, I think it would be cool to have the perspective from the racers and follow the series and uh, just be the facilitator. So um, any last comments? No. Not really. Give these a try. Yeah, I mean they're Give them a they're go, twenty people. bucks. Yeah, they're twenty bucks. Give if you if you order the uh, Armor Vision, like I said, they come from Europe, so they take a little bit to get here. Um, if you want some, yeah, if you want something quicker, goggles on, but they're both twenty bucks, so not a big deal. Well, this was a bonus episode of the Beyond the Curve. MX podcast goes off road and off track and on multiple subjects. <laughs> um, I think we're going to label this 43.9 or something, just random numbering since uh, we took the week off of Supercross. But that is Jason Crowley. By the way, it's C R O L E Y for all of you people that write media that can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I am Trey Heath with Michelle and Trey Real Estate, and we will see you next time. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.